Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions. Each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Moasisi, and I'm your host for the Facts Roundtable podcast. I'm a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog. Holiday stress is often what we come to expect, but during a pandemic, where do we begin to tackle family life, food allergies, and the pandemic itself? Today, Emery Gortz, Facts Director of Behavioral Health, explores with us how to balance these concerns. Emery, welcome on the show today. I always love speaking to you because I always walk away with strong, important information that I apply directly to my family and it just makes life better. So thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be back. We're going to dive right in. So traditionally, the holiday season brings an elevated level of anxiety surrounding food allergy management. That's just kind of how our food allergy life goes, right? But then when you add in a pandemic, then stress levels can really go up. So can you help us explore how do we even begin the holiday planning? So that's a great question. And I would agree with you. It's safe to say that tensions are going to be extra high this holiday season, whether or not it's food allergy related or related to the pandemic. And as far as holiday planning, it's also going to be important to try to respect that everyone has a different level of comfort right now. So my first step in planning, as far as it goes, is more mentally plan to set your intentions now before the holidays kick in. And for some of us, me included with no shame, the holidays have already started because I've begun playing Christmas music 24 seven, but we haven't really engaged into that holiday season yet. So let's set our intentions now. We have to prime our brain for positive experiences. It's proven to be more likely to have them, whatever they look like. On top of that plan, we have to plan for the positivity. The more that we worry, the more our brains become better at worrying. The more we stress out, our brain realigns to become better at stressing out. But the same is true for positivity. So if we can set our intentions to have a good holiday season, no matter what it looks like, then our brain will be more rewired to lean into those positive experiences and to be more likely to move toward the positive rather to move toward the worry. So our brain becomes better at simply the things that we think of. And that's something that isn't really that known, but has been proven time and time again. The more we worry, the better our brain becomes at worrying. So if you've even sat and thought to yourself, for instance, as I've aged, I've noticed that I worry more now than I used to. And I think it's because I've been putting time into it. And not I think it is. It is because I'm putting more time into worrying. So my brain... The synapses have realigned to become better at worrying. And I can easily correct that by going back to the positive thinking and setting my intentions now so that my brain can realign and lean into those good intentions. Okay, so my second tip for planning is plan in breaks. Many people think that holidays have to be done on the go, right? When you get to the end of the holiday season, you're like, that feels like it rushed by. What did I even do? Because you're going, 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 visiting here, visiting there, shopping there, shopping here. But holidays don't have to be done like that. If we build breaks into our day or into our month, that can really help relieve this stress and anxiety. So whether that's 
doing a break in the days leading up to Christmas or Hanukkah or another holiday and having a day where you're just sitting and relaxing at home with your family, or even if that's building in a two-hour break to stop home, change your clothes, take a shower, play with your dog in between visiting your in-laws and your own parents. These breaks will really help reset you so that you don't run out of energy. It's a recharge, if you will, so that you can still have your intention set on that positivity without running your tank on empties so you can't set that intention. So plan a break into your holiday season this year more so than you ever have before. And also plan to take in the good this holiday season. So there's this concept that neuropsychologist Rick Hansen created called taking in the good. And he reports that taking in the good can be done in three steps. The first step is to turn positive facts into positive experiences. So we have to actively look for good news. It's easy to turn on the TV and see bad news. Or in fact, like I was talking about priorly, the more we worry or stress, the better our brain becomes at it because our brains have a negativity bias. So we tend to see the negative before we see the positive. And we can change that by taking in the good. So look for the good news, particularly the little stuff of daily life, the face of your child, the smell of an orange or strawberry, if you like strawberries like me a memory from a happy vacation, a minor success at work or a major success at work, and so on. So whatever positive facts you can find in a day, bring mindfulness awareness to them and then open that mindfulness awareness up to let it actually affect you rather than pass you by, which leads into the second step of taking in the good, which is savor the experience. Don't let the moment pass you by as soon as you notice that something positive is happening. Happening. The longer that something is held in your conscious awareness, the more emotionally stimulating it becomes, the more neurons fire, and thus they wire together, just like we were talking about, and the stronger that trace of that particular memory becomes. So if we savor that experience, our brain can actually change to attach to it, to stimulate different parts of our brain so that we can keep coming back to that memory and experience that good. And the last step to taking in the good is to let the experience sink in. So first you notice it, then you savor it, but you don't let the savoring just stop in a moment. You let it sink in so there can be those long-term effects. Like I said, given this negativity bias that the brain has, it takes active effort to internalize positive experiences and heal our negative ones. It's not something that's going to passively happen to us. It's something we have to actively pursue. So when you tilt towards what's positive, you're actually writing a neurological imbalance that we have via the negativity bias. And if you're giving yourself today the caring and encouragement that you already should have received. So let the experience sink in, savor it, but then try to absorb it like a sponge. Think about it, think on it later, continue to really look for those positive experiences so that they sink in and become a part of you long-term. Positivity is a cycle. A lot of you guys know that just like negativity is. And that cycle can be really beneficial during this holiday season. And good feelings that we let ourselves have today increase the likelihood that we'll have good feelings tomorrow. So the best way you can plan for the stress and anxiety of the holiday season is just simply putting to your mind that you're going to have a good holiday season no matter what happens. Emery, this is incredible information, and I really appreciate how you provide the science behind it. So it's not only a really interesting tip, but you're explaining how to get there. But what I love is you're basically telling us to set the stage, and there's science behind it, and then give yourself a little bit of a break, and then just really savor and enjoy all those things that come out right. 
Absolutely. To me, once you put the science behind it, it becomes a lot more comforting that it's not just you that might be time and time again jumping towards the negative. To know that it's actually not you, that it's actually a lot of us, and then we can start that change once we become aware of that. It's actually just a part of humanity, not just a, not just something that's off about us. Well, and I'm glad you talked about the negativity bias because I've read about that before, that that's why when we open up the newspaper, we go right to the dastardly, horrible headline instead of the headline about you know, something really fun and, and beautiful happening in the town. Yes, and I agree. And something that I wanted to add about that is like you're saying, as far as seeing what's around in the town, we have to focus on what we can control during this holiday season too. So out of your control might be seeing the family or planning these different events that you may have wanted to, but part of what will also help us make a rewire is focusing on what is in our locus of control, such as this positive thinking that we're talking about. Thank you so much. This is just really exciting information. Now, do you have any tips for saying no or setting boundaries? Many of us are faced with this during the holiday season where someone has a request that we're just not comfortable with, or we just don't have the bandwidth for. Absolutely. So saying no and setting healthy boundaries is one of my favorite things to talk about because it's the perfect time to remind everybody that boundaries are not just for romantic relationships. They're for friends, they're for your children, and they're for all kinds of family members. So everyone is comfortable with different things, saying yes, saying no, to a myriad of different things that we might be faced with. So my first tip is just to know that saying no doesn't have to look just one way. So you can say no straightforward with a no thank you. That's a complete sentence in and of itself. No thank you. And you can leave it at that. You don't have an obligation to owe anybody explanations. You can keep it vague but firm. Thank you for asking me, but that won't work right now. Again, you're not owing anybody explanations, but some people might feel better um, when they bring it up with gratitude or graciousness or do provide those explanations. So you can also refer or offer suggestions when you're saying no. I won't be able to do that this year, but try asking Cindy. Or you can still say no with gratitude. I'm so touched that you thought of me for this, but I won't be able to help out at this time. Stay gracious if you want. Again, like I said, no thank you is a complete sentence but you can still stay gracious with your no. I appreciate that you asked me, but my time is already committed. Saying no doesn't have to be personal either. And a lot of the times when we hear no or we say no, we're really afraid that people are going to take it personally and not like us. But you can say something like, thank you for thinking of me, but I have a lot of other things I'm focusing on right now. I have to say no. You can offer alternatives when saying no, if you want to, or if you have the time to. So you could say, I cannot do that, but I can do this. And fill that blank in with whatever you're willing to offer at this time or this holiday season. And then lastly, a lot of the times we feel like we have to rush into saying no or saying yes. Or if you're like me, you say yes to everything right off the bat. And again, I'm working on this, which is why we're talking about this. And I feel like I've gotten a lot better at it. But because I've realized I don't have to just say yes. Why don't you actually hear the person out? And that doesn't mean that you have to have your no be immediate either, which has brought a lot of comfort to me. Give yourself time to assess. So you can say something to someone like, thank you for asking me, but I need some time before I can give you an answer. And that's an appropriate answer too. And you can come back with a no because maybe even though I've given a lot of scripts for you to say no in a bunch of different ways, maybe you would feel better thinking about it and assessing which no is best for you. Or on the flip side, 
maybe you realize that what they're asking is something you really do want to do. So you want to say yes, but you have to get rid of another commitment first and you want to handle that before you recommit. And so those are all really important things to do when considering if you're going to say no or if you're going to say yes or if you're going to leave it somewhere in between. Boundaries lead into this as well. So it's okay to tell family and friends and coworkers about the boundaries that you have. It's okay to shut off your phone at five when you're done work or say that this is the day of my daughter's dance recital. I do not miss those. Making it a point that that's your boundary. I do not miss the recitals. I do not miss the baseball game. I do not miss the karate tournaments. And that's your boundaries. So when your boss knows that comes up or when your good friend knows that that's coming up, that that's already a boundary set. I don't miss those. I cannot help during those times. And with that, boundaries are on us to set. And we actually have to hold accountable those around us to respect them. And in fact, to kindly address it when other people aren't respecting them. So start with one boundary if, you're, if you don't have boundaries in your life this season that you really want to stick to. Maybe through the month of December, every Saturday afternoon is family time. So you're not going to answer any calls and you're not going to invite any extended family over. Or maybe you have a date night every Thursday and the kids need to know that they can't bother you during that time. Boundaries are healthy and they ultimately help everyone. So don't be afraid to set boundaries. You can do them with graciousness. You can set them with kindness, but it actually helps your children learn respect. To be honest, it can help coworkers and other families respect you in whatever role that you're having that you need to set these boundaries in. Again, very amazing information. I think so many of us struggle with saying no and struggle with setting boundaries because we are trying to please everyone or trying to keep the family and everyone moving forward. And we forget how important it is for the success of the group and for the success of the family, to be honest, and to set those boundaries and to be able to say no. So I really appreciate you teaching us how to do that. Yes, exactly. And like I said, it's something that I've struggled with and I'm continuing to work through because we're all a work in progress. And I think a lot of people out there sort of think that saying no or setting a boundary can ruin relationships, but they actually can enhance them. And that's what I've learned through it. And that's what I'm hoping that all of you guys listening today can take away from it too. So on that note, many of us have family elders whose health conditions concern us even more during the pandemic. So do you have any tips for helping us to explain to our family members or children why we might not be hosting our elders or even other family members that maybe have unseen health conditions? So this is a really important question this year, and many families aren't handling it differently. For families not hosting elders this season, try to make sure they're still included if they can't come in person whether that's having kids draw holiday cards or writing them a list of what they're thankful for or having them FaceTime during dinner for the whole dinner so it's like they have a seat at the table. Make sure that you're doing something if you're not having them in person so they don't get left out of the joy or the festivities if you're able to. And explaining why an elder cannot be there or another family, like you said, with different health conditions will vary between age groups how you're going to address it. Because most middle schoolers and high schoolers, they're going to be able to understand the pandemic in full. They're going to be sad, but they're going to understand why they can't see their grandparents or their great uncle or their aunt. But for little children without this capacity to understand really what's happening, it can feel really distressing. So the first thing you're going to want to do when you address this is reassure your child that their loved one still loves them, that they still care about them very much. And then you can explain in a, in a more simpler way, when a grown-up has a cold, they can keep others from getting sick by staying away. Or when others have the flu, or when others have COVID, or whatever sickness you want to fill in to explain it, 
They can keep others from getting sick by staying away or not hugging or kissing for a while. When they feel better and are healthy again, they absolutely will come over and give you a big hug because now some of our elders might be coming over or we might be socially distancing from them outside. And so the worry might be less about seeing them if we can see them through a window and it might be, why can't they hug me? So that's another issue. Or it might be, why are they not on a plane, right? Why are they not coming over? So if you actually need to be separate without the ability to see them in any form, then you're going to want to say something like, grandma needs to be away for a little while, but she'll be back soon. Or if they're in later elementary school, don't be worried about talking about sickness or quarantine or uh, whatever sort of circumstance your state has right now, you can remind them that if we keep practicing safety like we're doing, then the sooner that we'll get to see grandma again and that she's still thinking about you, she still, you know, wants to be with you, but that this time will end. So we don't want to shy away from actually talking about what's happening. But again, if your child's two, you're going to handle it way different than if they're seven or if they're 13. So just make sure that you're continuing this honest and open conversation and that your child still knows that these people are around, that they're still loved and that they will see them again. And consider ways, like I said at the beginning, to stay connected even when physically apart. If you don't have the ability to video call with a grandparent or an aunt and uncle, try writing letters or drawing pictures because this will surely bring joy to your child as well as that loved one that can't be with you. Thank you so much, Emery. I'm taking notes diligently and listening very closely as you give these uh, wise words on how to deal with our family during the holidays. So now my next question for you is really short, yet very important. Is it okay to not feel okay? A great question and a simple answer. Absolutely. We've talked about it before, but we need to normalize not feeling okay. Not every day is going to be great, and that's okay. Sometimes life is messy. That's okay. Sometimes you're angry or worried, anxious, and that's okay. When you feel defeated, that's okay. When you're uncertain, that's okay, and so on and so on. We love to attach shame to feeling not okay, as if we aren't fully put together or doing great or doing fine, like we like to say, then that means that we're weak, or it even means that we're worthless. But that's not true. But while we might not feel okay, we need to also recognize that it'll pass and the feeling's not a permanent one. But we can still honor our emotional experience and be present for it. The worst thing we can do is shove that feeling to the corner because it ends up actually exacerbating it and making it worse. We need to honor and acknowledge that this is the way we're feeling, but not sit in it too long. We can't not feel okay and sit in it for months and months as years go by. We have to acknowledge and honor this is what we're this is what we're feeling and then acknowledge that it will pass. So just for today, show up for whatever you're feeling and feel it with every fiber of your be- your being. Talk to the people you love about it. See, remember the good, but also know that even while you're remembering the good, you can still not be okay, but you will get past it. Emery, thank you for making it okay to not be okay. Because I think sometimes we just want everything to be good. We're just trying to push through the pandemic and just push through everything. And I think we don't give ourselves grace to not be okay. So thank you so much for really encouraging us. I agree with you. And it normalizes it for our children because if it's okay to not be okay, it's also okay for our children to not be okay. And then they know that they can be open with their feelings and that it's okay that they're not smiling for 24 seven or that they don't feel good. Even if they don't know why they're having a bad day, right? Because that sometimes happens to us and there's times to be optimistic 
there's other parts of life that we need to be realistic with so that we can show each other how to get through it and how to deal with it and how to eventually move on. So now what can we do to keep our family's spirits high? Do you have any tips on this area? Right. So it's without a doubt holiday this year's, whatever holiday that you're celebrating, it's going to be different. So I think the best thing you can do is take this time to create a new tradition. I don't need to tell you that things are going to be different, but will you let this time pass you by by being down about Aunt Carol not being able to bring over your apple pie? Probably a little bit. But this year can also be about building new traditions or even breaking traditions to have a little spontaneous fun. So my immediate family decided that for this Christmas, we're going to order pizza. And don't worry, I have a diary allergy, so it's going to be cheese-free for me. But we're breaking tradition this year, and we're still celebrating with our immediate family unit. And honestly, for all we know, when things get back to normal, the rest of our family might have to get on board. And this might become our new tradition to have pizza on Christmas Day instead of our big feast. But it's a time to get creative and not have to do the things that you always do if you want to shake up. Pick out a new movie and watch it. Sing a song when you wake up. Have a gingerbread building contest. Bake challah bread from scratch. Buy the family toy drums and do your own rendition of The Little Drummer Boy. Have everybody get their own Christmas tree and see who can decorate it the best. Or have everybody get their own menorah and see whose candles burn out the fastest. Uh, Play pin the tail on the turkey. Or have kids help cook the Thanksgiving dinner if that's not something that they might usually be a part of because it's so big. So try something new that your family can get excited about that might help keep their mind off how different things will be. Thank you so much for those really fun and interesting ideas and tips to do. I love the idea of pizza at Christmas. Amazing. It's a crowd pleaser and it'll definitely put a smile on your face. (laughs) So now we've heard many different people describe self-care as something as simple as taking a bubble bath or taking um, an online meditation course. What exactly is self-care and then how often should we engage in this? I know we've talked about self-care in the past, but especially during the holiday season, and you mentioned even a little earlier about just taking some time out for yourself. Absolutely. And the best thing about self-care is that you can set your own parameters for this. So I personally think that self-care should be done every day. And to define it before I go into this, self-care is any activity that we do deliberately in order to take care of our mental, emotional, and physical health. Although it's a simple concept in theory, it's something that we often overlook. So like I said, I personally think a small self-care activity should be done every day, but others might say it's something that you should make a point to do weekly. The reason that I side with every day is because self-care can be really small. It can be taking a 15-minute walk, lighting a candle of a scent you really love, playing your favorite song, or cooking your favorite dinner. Now, others might prefer a grander self-care, like taking a long bath, or traveling, going out to eat, or ordering in, or getting a manicure. And those self-care items take more time, but they're also important. But they're, of course, not realistic to incorporate every day. You can't get a fresh manicure every day. But self-care is different for everyone because we all enjoy different things. So if you're really going to get satisfaction from ordering out and having not to cook for a day, then yes, that might be something you can incorporate weekly or monthly, whatever your budget allows. But a small act of self-care, doing something for you every day, you will really find fills your tank back up. So whatever that looks like for you, you can visit our website and we have ideas for every age group, for caretakers and for families. People that have food allergies and that are managers of kids with food allergies have a lot of extra stress in their lives, especially around holiday season, even though holiday season might look different, right? Ordering food, 
or making a ton of food because they can't order or whatever it might be. So we need to take the time out to make sure we're looking out for ourselves, whether it's every day, whether it's weekly, and whatever that activity might be. Because again, what works for me might not work for you. And that's okay too. So explore what really brings you that joy. Explore what that self-care might be, but don't neglect it because you'll feel it in the long term. Thank you for the reminder of how important self-care is and how we can access it and enjoy it and make the most of it. So before we wrap up, is there anything else you would like listeners to know from you? I would just like listeners to be reminded that the holiday seasons are happening, whether we want them to happen this year, whether we don't. And unfortunately, despite being in a pandemic, time continues on. Our kids are growing up. Our grandparents might be getting older. People might be moving here or moving there. So how can we make the best out of it? It might be cliche because sometimes we can't make the best out of bad situations. Like we talked about, it is okay to not be okay. But ultimately, time is passing on no matter what. We might have been missing big events. We might be missing events in the future. I'm getting married New Year's Day, which is a holiday, right? And that's going to look way different. And the thing is, while the extras are amazing, like we talked about, our favorite apple pie, that feast that we eat, seeing our family members, maybe going Black Friday shopping if that's something you really enjoyed. These extras are really nice. And especially around the holidays, going to tree lightings or getting together with extended family from out of town that usually travel in for these big holidays, whatever holiday you're celebrating. These extras are really nice. But the best things in life go on uninterrupted. Love continues on. Family continues on whether they're near or far. So don't let that slip your mind this holiday season either, right? The best things in life are going to continue on uninterrupted. That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being on the show today. Really powerful show with really beautiful, actionable items that we can all take into the holiday season with us. So thank you for your time and your wisdom. And I will look forward to speaking to you again. I can't wait. Thank you all for listening to Facts Roundtable podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, share and review our podcast and be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Apple Podcast, iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.